Well, praise the Lord. You're supposed to say praise the Lord. And you're a little rowdy this morning. That's okay. Find your seat. Today is a very special day because, because class, listen up class, we are starting a new sermon series on a New Testament book. We just finished up Nehemiah a week before last. And now we're going to start a New Testament book, the book of First. Timothy. So if you have a Bible, open them down in your baskets by your seats are also Bibles. You can open up to the book of First Timothy. And I'll tell you what I'm going to tell you, talk to you about today with the title. The title of today's sermon is True Doctrine is Important. Jesus is Lord. True Doctrine is Important. Jesus is is Lord. I'll say it one more time because Paul opens his book to Timothy and Paul closes this book saying doctrine is important. And I think the most important doctrine, if you're wondering what what does this church believe? What do Christians believe? The most important doctrine is Jesus is Lord. See, Paul opens this book to Timothy. You see, it's kind of a trick question. Uh, the, The book of first Timothy is not written by Timothy. It's written to Timothy, by Paul, to Timothy, and Paul opens up this letter saying that there's all these these arguments and controversies and, and people ranting and raving, there's speculations, there's meaningless talk, there's people moving away from unity and love and into fighting. And I wonder if our, this is just me talking, can I just talk for a couple minutes? Just me. Um, I think whatever was going on in this book for 1 Timothy is also going on today. Maybe the same spirit, maybe the same influence. Like you think about all the fighting that's going on right now. All the partisanship, all the Facebook rants, people chiming in, the tribal parties. And unfortunately, I'm even talking about like us as Christians, like us as Christians, Christians fighting Christians. Like guys, 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 same team, right? Same team. We got to take a step back and see that the big picture, Jesus is Lord and unity and love is more important. I keep saying this phrase. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever said the phrase and really meant it. Because as a kid, I heard this phrase and I would just roll my eyes like I had scoutmasters say it or teachers. And they would say this phrase like, oh gosh. Well, raise your hand if you've caught yourself saying the phrase, for real, back in my day. Anybody? Look at all these hands. So I'm 44. I'm getting some gray hair. And I caught myself the other day, like literally saying, like back in my day, and I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, I, oh man, I'm getting old. I'm saying back in my day. And so I'll, I'll preface the phrase and say, back in my day, like I just mean like maybe like 10 years ago or even five years ago, it seems like our world wasn't fighting as much. Does anybody agree with that? So this is just me talking. This is me looking at the world, me looking at First Timothy, where Paul Paul is saying there's too much division, there's too much fighting, there's too much meaningless talk and arguments and all this stuff. And I'm looking at our society, just my opinion, and saying that, man, we're in a similar spot. Like there's a lot of fighting and tribalism. And so back in my day, I mean, that seems like just like five years ago, maybe 10 years ago, like the biggest arguments I was having with people, friends, other Christians was like Broncos versus the Raiders. Anybody remember those days, those days of long ago when that's what people argued about? Does anybody remember the days, uh, this was 12 years ago, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but there was a television show called Lost, anybody? 
Remember that? Okay, a couple hands. Lost ended, and I was like, oh, that's, that was a cool ending. It was a cool ending, kind of brought a spiritual element into the show. And those were just fighting words. Saying that that ending was enjoyable, people were like, no, no, that wasn't. That was the worst ending ever because this and this. They didn't, they didn't answer any questions and blah, blah, blah. I remember someone wanted to take me out to lunch to argue about the ending of Lost. If only we could get back to back in my day, we argued about Broncos and the TV series. Nowadays, joking aside, it does seem like things are volatile. I want you to lean into this reading and and listen for, for what the Lord might be telling us right here, New Life Manitou 2022. Would you stand with me and we'll read the first few verses of 1 Timothy, starting in chapter 1, verse 1, where Paul introduces himself. Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. To Timothy, so the letters from Paul to Timothy, and then listen to this. We'll talk about this relationship. He says, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. Wow, that's a cool relationship, and we'll talk about that. He says, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Everyone say, Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, so he's giving him some instructions, stay in Ephesus so that you may command. It's a pretty strong language. Paul wants Timothy to command certain people not to teach false doctrines. Say the phrase, not to teach false doctrines, not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves, and here's the shenanigans, to myths, endless genealogies, such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. Verse five says, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And we'll end it with verse six. Some have even departed. Some have de- because of all these arguments and shenanigans, some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ is in our midst. Let's pray. God, we do open our hearts to you and we proclaim that you are Lord. And Lord, would you help us this morning? We're, I'm talking about, we're talking about us right now. We're praying for us. Lord, would you show us ways that we're just entering into controversy or meaningless talk, Lord, would you convict us of those things so that we can point to you, so that we can point to you, Jesus, as Lord. Lord, you are the God, the the first and the last, the almighty, the alpha, the omega. You, Jesus, our Lord, we pray to you and ask these things in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted, Amen. amen. You may be seated. I have uh, really just one point today, which is uh, the doctrine is important and that uh, Jesus is Lord, kind of two parts to one point. But I have two movements in this sermon, kind of a new way to preach it. Some of you are like, what's going on? This is so unusual. Well, just hang with me for a minute. We are beginning a new series. And so movement number one is this. Movement number one, not, not point number one, but movement number one is we want to talk about the background of 1 Timothy. We'll get into this relationship of Paul to Timothy. 
Because 1 Timothy is this letter from Paul to Timothy. So who's Paul? Who's Timothy? Let's get into this. This is going to bring us into the realm of nerdiness, which last week I told you, we're going to get a little nerdy. We're going to get into background, uh, Greek culture, Roman culture, maps. We're going to look at cities. We're going to look at what was going on, author, audience, genre, the Greek. This is nerdy stuff. If you're a fellow nerd and you know what to do, do it now. Nerd alert. Okay, good. So we're going to get a little bit nerdy. The most nerdy thing I can think that we can do right now is to put up a map that has way too much information for you to even see. So this will come, for some of you, this will come as a rebuke. If you're sitting in the back, this is a rebuke to come forward uh, and sit up closer in, in, in other Sundays. But as I can clearly see, since I'm like three feet away, as I can clearly see, this is a string of spaghetti wrapping around Greece and uh, modern-day Turkey coming out of uh, Israel. This is Paul's missionary journeys. This, if you have a good Bible that's a study Bible with maps in the back, I could probably guarantee that this map or something very similar to it is in your Bible because it's very very helpful. This is a, a great map to spend an afternoon reading through the book of Acts and looking at these different places where Paul goes. He goes on three missionary journeys, technically four if you count his imprisonment, and he is brought uh, as a prisoner to Rome. And along the way, he's, he's being Paul. He's witnessing the people and bringing them to Christ. So a lot of people are like, actually, that's his fourth missionary journey when he is hauled off to Rome for his trial. But this spaghetti noodle uh, lines, you can see the purple one, if you can even see that far. The purple one is Paul's second missionary journey, where he ventures into what is today Turkey. Turkey is like, if it's the arm, uh, Turkey kind of looks like a short stubby arm. Then Lystra is right in the armpit of the world. And uh, that is where Timothy is from, from the armpit of the world. And I could make that joke, but you cannot make that joke. Why would I be able to make that joke and you not be able to make that joke? Well, because I was born in Turkey in the armpit of the world. So me and Timothy actually have this in common. My mom and dad who are here, my dad was stationed in the Air Force, in an Air Force base in Turkey. And 44 years ago, I was born in Turkey. So me and Timothy have that in common. We're allowed to joke about the armpit of the world, which is where he and I are both from. So anyways... Uh, that aside, Paul is on this missionary journey, and he meets a young kid named Timothy. You can read about it in the book of Acts. So Acts is like all the stories of all the journeys, and Timothy, this letter, is going to be one of the letters written after the events, or kind of actually during the events of the later uh, book of Acts. So if you're reading through the book of Acts, you get to verse, uh, sorry, chapter 16, where Paul is in Lystra, and he meets a young man named Timothy, and it says that everyone spoke so well about him, and so Timothy is, he gets to join in on this missionary trip. So I'm going to give you in a second uh, how old I think Timothy was, and how old Paul was, because that plays an important role in this relationship between Paul and Timothy. But P Timothy is clearly a young man. He joins the missionary party. And throughout the book of Acts, we see him staying in one place and then catching up with Paul or being sent ahead. And then Paul comes and, and, and comes and, and meets back up with Timothy. We see books like 1 Corinthians, where Paul says to the Corinthians, hey, I'm going to send Timothy to you. We have five books of the Bible. This is pretty cool to think about this. But not one, not two, not three, not four, but five books of the Bible are written by Paul 
and Timothy. So, so these books of 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, and 2 Thessalonians, Paul and Timothy traveled so closely together that when these letters were written, if you go back and read them, it's not just Paul. It says Paul and Timothy. He authored, co-authored five of the New Testament books. This is a very influential person, and he's someone who travels with Paul. He engages in the missionary work, and he's also like doing like the day-to-day work. This is a really, do you want a side note, a quick rabbit trail? This is just like one of those fun, weird things, but 2 Timothy 4.13 is like Paul telling Timothy to bring my coat, like, what? Bring your coat? Yeah, the, the, verse 13, the cloak that I left in Troas with Carpus, Carpus, this, this guy who stole my coat. When you come, bring it with you. And he's like, bring the book. So like Paul, we think Paul at this time is in Rome. It's, he's, it's, it might be winter, I don't know. And we know that Rome in the winter is wet and cold. Like I can handle like snow and cold, but wet and cold is just brutal. So Paul's like, hey, remember my North Face jacket, the puffy one with the Gore-Tex? Carpus has it. He doesn't need it. He's in Troas. Bring it to me. So this is like a, just a bizarre, like this is like an insight into this relationship between Paul and Timothy, not only a serious one, but one of like, this is, I mean, this is what you would email. If someone's coming to visit you, you're a missionary in another part of the world, you'd be like, hey, you know that coffee I really, bring me that coffee. That's like, this is the stuff you would ask for. And it's like, bring my North Face jacket, the puffy one, the one that the Gore-Tex, like bring that. So we have this relationship between Paul and Timothy to get serious here, uh, 2 Timothy 4, so, uh, 12, is where Paul says this famous advice to young Timothy. Paul's like this father figure in Timothy's life. And I'll give you an idea of what I think, how old Paul and Timothy were when they met and how old Paul was here. But, he, but clearly, Timothy is still young because Paul gives him this advice. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Listen to these words, whether you are young in this room or whether you're like me, like, like someone who is like, like, this is good advice for all of us to like, no, don't, don't be looked down upon and don't look down upon anyone who is young, but set an example. This is Paul talking to Timothy in his second letter. Set an example for the believers, believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So however old Paul was when he met Timothy, we think that 2 Timothy was written 15 years later, and Paul is still telling Timothy about like how people are looking down upon him because he's young. So I think, and other scholars agree, that when Paul met Timothy in the armpit of the world on his second missionary journey, Timothy may have been like 14, 15. And instead of going off to like an early private college, uh, Timothy joined Paul in his missionary journeys around the world. And then fast forward 15 years, he would be in his late 20s, maybe early 30s, overseeing like the churches in Ephesus, a very young leader overseeing a huge group of churches and and congregations, almost like an early bishop of the time. And Paul is saying, Timothy, don't let anyone look down upon you because you're young. And I think about this relationship and this important relationship that, that I uh, can think of in my own life as being like a young 15, 16-year-old and having a mentor. And I think about uh, maybe some of you had a Paul or a Pauletta 
in your life. Can anybody think about like when you were young and I'll let you like, was that middle school? Was that high school? Maybe college days? How many of you would say, I had someone who, who mentored me, who, who established, like just walked with me? Maybe they just, it was someone outside of my parents because when you're 15, 16, 17, like your parents can say anything, but you don't believe them because you, they're your parents. But when someone else says it, you're like, oh, hey, did you know that this or that? Because that's just, I don't know, it's just the way we're, I don't know, it's just the way it is. So I had someone in my life in high school when I was 15, 14, 15, I had a Paul in my life whose name, guess what his name was? Paul, it really was. Uh, his name was Paul Bradley, and he was a youth pastor. He came in, and he was a youth pastor of a youth group that I was going to, and um, kind of got to know each other my junior year, and then my senior year, he picked uh, three people. He picked me and two other guys that he just had Bible studies with, and we did a couple book studies. I mean, I think about all the times we've met. It was probably just like maybe every other Saturday, and we might have got, we went bike, uh, mountain biking uh, twice. I think we went camping once. It wasn't that much, but I look back at that time, and I just think about, man, he invested so much in me. And I might even get emotional because like, I knew why he picked the other guys. Like, those guys were like, oh, they're, they're strong leaders. Uh, they're just kind of the life of the party. They're very strong believers. Um, these two other guys, like, oh, I knew why he picked them to invest in them. And I really, I, I truly, like, maybe this was you younger. Maybe this is you today. Like, you, you have, I just had no self-confidence. And I just thought, like, like, what? like I, I don't have gifts. I don't have leadership. But this guy, a, a Paul in my life, saw that in me. And he lifted me up and he just spent time with me and encouraged me. And I think like um, uh, because of those leadership skills at that time in my life, I, was, I went to college and I just quickly became a leader in the college group because that's what I was already doing. And then from there, I was like, I want to be a pastor. And I think about the, the formational year of having a Paul in my life at that time. So I think wherever you're at, you, you need someone ahead of you, a Paul in your life. And if, if you're, you know, wherever you're at, I would say you, you also probably need a men, like someone to, to mentor along. You need some, like a Timothy in your life. I'm encouraging you now because as New Life Manager, one of the exciting things that we're talking about and kicking around in these last couple uh, weeks is that we really want to start a high school youth student ministry for Manitou. As I've talked to people, that some of you in here that are either teachers or students, as, is there anything at the high school right now? And no, no, no keeps being the answer. Like there's no club, there's no young life, there's not a Bible you know, get together, there's not a pray before school, there's not uh, navigators, there's, there's really not anything right now. There's all kinds of other clubs, but there's not even a Christian club. And we see that need. New Life Manitou sees that need. And our goal in 2023, our goal now leading up to that is to get a leadership team, get a volunteer team. Team, to raise funds because uh, I would love to have a huge budget and do this right and market it and have pizza like every youth group needs and have events and do fun things. And, and if kids come that can't afford those things, well, of course, we'll just cover it because we believe in this. We believe in the next generation. So that's just by way of announcement and excitement for, for days to come. But I want to say one more thing about this, this phrase, uh, Timothy's burden. Because I think uh, Timothy has a burden, a holy burden from Paul to, to run the race. Like Paul knows, I mean, he's arrested and the penalty for perjury or whatever he's committed of by preaching the gospel is death. Paul knows that he probably doesn't have too much time left. And he writes 1 Timothy 
and 2 Timothy kind of handing off the baton to Timothy. And so Timothy now has this burden of leadership, of evangelism, of, of carrying, running the race that Paul has been running. You know, I think about the Christian life. Well, you've probably heard the phrase, the Christian life is not a sprint, it's a, it's a marathon. Anybody run a marathon? Oh, a couple hands, cool. Um, good, good job, good job, men and women. Uh, so it's, we've heard the phrase, Christian life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Makes a lot of sense, right? Well, I would go one step further and I'd say, you know, the, the Christian life, it's probably not a sprint. I guess it's more of a marathon, but you know what it really is? It's probably more like a, like a relay race where we're handing the baton on to the next generation. It's, it's, it's much longer than a marathon. And I think about Paul, what he's doing here is he's handing a baton to Timothy. We, we think that uh, in the timeline of Paul's life, he writes 2 Timothy maybe just months before he is martyred in Rome, right before he's killed. We think that, that the timeline fits right. And so he writes 1 Timothy, the book we're looking at, maybe just two years before he is going to die. This is, these are both books written at the very end of his life where it, it sure does seem like he's handing the baton to Timothy and Timothy now has this burden that phrase, Timothy's burden, it's, it's a special kind of phrase to me because I have an embarrassing story. Would you like to hear an embarrassing story about me? Okay, we don't, you don't need to get that excited. Did someone say, <laughs> said, I heard an amen. You don't amen that. Just a, just, a, just a polite yes, please would be okay. So would you like to hear an embarrassing story? Yes, please. Okay, so... There was this band that I'm sure everyone has heard of because, gosh, we were as big as the Beatles. Um, there was this band in the late 90s called Timothy's Burden. We'll put up a picture of this band. And there's Zach and Ryan and Jeremy. And then there's this guy over there playing the bongos. And if you're not in the back, if you're in the front, you'll recognize that that is... That's me. We were in a band. We'll put up the next picture. We have our band photo. This is the band... <laughs> If you've ever thought, maybe Joe isn't cool. Now you know. Like, I really, I was cool. I might not be cool now, but I was. Look how cool I looked. Uh, one more. The next photo is our, we had a band flyer. And I'm not really sure what I'm looking at there. I'm the third one down. Uh, but Timothy's Burden was the name of our band. We were all Christians. And one of us in uh, a meeting, when we were talking about forming a band, uh, was like, you know what we should name ourselves? Timothy's Burden. And we all just got it right away. We're like, Yeah. That's, that's our burden. That's the burden of the world. That's the burden of every next generation to do what Paul says to do, to keep running the race, to keep telling people that Jesus loves them, to keep telling them that God is in control. And so our burden is Timothy's burden. And it actually became a really cool name because we would get to tell people, uh, what's your band? Our band, Timothy's Burden. And uh, like even non-Christians were like, who's Timothy? What, what's, what's his band? What, what do you mean? What's Timothy's Burden? And we would get to explain, well, there's this guy in the Bible who was mentored by St. Paul. You've heard of St. Paul? And they're like, oh yeah, I know Paul. And Timothy was like the person he was mentoring. And Paul, with all of his evangelism and telling people Jesus loves them, uh, handed the baton to Timothy. And Timothy is now running this race, which becomes our race to run in our lives through life and, and making Jesus known, making Jesus famous. So now you know, let's get this off of the screen now. <laughs> Enough with the embarrassment. Let's move on, shall we? So we talked about the background. That's movement number one, the background 
for 1 Timothy. Now let's get to the meat and the real point of this sermon, the real point that Paul is saying. He opens and once again, he closes this whole letter. If you want some homework this week, read all of 1 Timothy, won't take very long, and you'll see the opening argument and the closing argument is that doctrine is very important and that the most important doctrine is that Jesus is Lord. I'll reread the passage for us where Paul, he says he's Paul, he's an apostle. Verse two says to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus our Lord. There it is right there. Verse three, I, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, here's some more like details, stay in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. This is Paul's opening lines of this letter. He sees a church or churches in Ephesus being dismantled by the lack of unity, by endless arguments, by people arguing with one another about meaningless things. And he says, don't, don't do this. We have to teach true doctrine. True doctrine is very important to the church, to this church, to the text of scripture. We have to know what the Bible is saying. We have to like, be aware that the, probably um, the, the most important thing that's being questioned, even in, like, amongst Christians, and I'll show you something in just a minute, is that Jesus is Lord. We really need to know what that phrase means. It might just be a phrase like, oh, we say it, Jesus is Lord, praise the Lord, is it all? Well, what does that mean? Well, we mean that Jesus is God himself, amen? That's what the, we mean by that when we say Jesus is Lord. And so there was this study done. I'm, we're going to put up another slide. And if, if you're even in the front, I realize this is a little hard to read. But this is even, I'm looking at all you in the back. You got next week, you guys better be up here. Uh, but what it says, and I'll explain it because I realize you probably can't see it. And if you want, if you're like, oh, this is interesting stuff, uh, Google State of Theology Report. Not now, but as homework when you get home later. And State of Theology Report came out about four weeks ago. This is something pastors kind of look at, the pastors that I'm with, uh, fellow pastors. We talk about like the, the, the tendencies. And this report is actually the heresies that are creeping in and becoming popular in churches. So not just in America. This poll was for uh, Christians, people who say, I am a Christian. And there was thousands of them across the United States that answered several questions. And one of the questions is at the top. I realize you can't see it. Um, says that Jesus, so that you either had to disagree, that's the, that's the, uh, the red side, uh, somewhat disagree, the white in the middle is uh, you're not sure, and then the light blue is I agree, and then the, the dark blue is agree strongly. And this is disturbing to me because the, the statement is Jesus is the first and greatest being created. Do you see the problem with that? Jesus is created by God. We should all disagree with this statement strongly, right? I mean, if you, I, I imagine what happened is like anyone taking a test. Uh, you're just kind of zooming through it, right? That's just what you do. And you probably, I assume, I hope that people just got this wrong, so to speak, because they were just racing through and reading the first couple, couple words of the sentence. Because if you stopped with, Jesus is the first and greatest, what would you say? Agree, yay, high five, Jesus is the best. But if you keep reading, it's, it's not really a trick question, is it? Like it, it, it clearly says, like being created by God. It's disturbing to me that 40% of these thousands of Christians in the United States 
were not just, they didn't just say agree, but they strongly agreed. That's disturbing to me because Jesus isn't a created being. Jesus is fully God. I mean, this is, the, this is what the incarnation is. 56 days till Christmas, we celebrate that, that, that God didn't just send a great teacher. He came himself. That's the incarnation. Amen? We don't believe that, that Jesus is just a good teacher or a good person or a prophet. We believe that he is the way. We believe that he is the life. He is the first and the last. In the beginning was the word, Jesus, and he was God and he was with God. And we believe that he said that before Abraham was, I am. And we believe that he says, I and the, fa- I and, and the Father are one. Like we believe that he is fully, fully God and he came as one of us. Amen? So this statement, Jesus as Lord, it's a, an important fundamental document, uh, excuse me, a doctrine to what we believe as Christians, that he's Lord. It's something we can say to ourselves or out loud in every single situation of life. And I know some of your stories, I'm looking around and knowing that, that you have said this at many times in your life. In the high highs, you've said Jesus is Lord. In the low lows, you've said Jesus is Lord. When there's been diagnosis of cancer, some of you have said and declared Jesus is Lord. Some of you, when, when a spouse is disappointed, you've said Jesus is Lord. Some of you, when a child has committed suicide, we've had that story in our church that Jesus is Lord is said. At the great moments of like a child being born, we've said Jesus is Lord. In this congregation, when, when someone celebrated uh, one year of sobriety and they got a chip at a meeting, they gave it back to New Life Manitou and celebrated that this church has been walking with them and they've said Jesus is Lord through all of these things. When there was a horrible car accident, we say Jesus is Lord. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? The band can come up. We're, we're going to do something special today. We're going to say um, the Nicene Creed together. We're going to say it, pray it. We're going to declare the Nicene Creed, which is a two-paragraph statement summarizing so much of Christian doctrine from the text of Scripture. And it starts off with, with Jesus as God. He's fully God. So we're going to say this together. Then we're going to receive communion. And I'll give you some uh, directions on how we do that here if you're new. And then we are going to sing one last song. But would you stand with me? We're going to say these words together. It says, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, Eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. And for us and our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit 
the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And we believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We're going to receive communion now and celebrate the mystery of Christ's body and blood. There are little cups like this and baskets around you if you can help people find them and, not, um, and make sure everyone that wants the elements. We believe in an open table where, uh, by which anyone that believes in Jesus, you can receive with us today. You don't need to be a member of this church. If you declare Jesus as Lord, which is the, what we've been saying all this morning, then, then you receive with us. You're invited to the table, to Jesus' table. Get out the bread and consider these words that on the night Jesus was betrayed, his last night with his believers that he was with, he had bread and he said, this, this is my body broken for you. And so we remember that Jesus' body, God's body, we believe he's fully God. We believe that God's body was broken for us. Let's receive the bread together. same night Jesus took a cup God himself lifted a cup Jesus said this cup is a new covenant my blood shed for you whenever you gather do this in remembrance of me so let's take the cup together God we thank you that we can receive you week after week day after day hour by hour we receive you You've been so good to us that even when we don't understand and even when we're in the valley, we know that you are Lord. The circumstances of, of all of us in here, so many different circumstances. Some of us are in the, in the valley. Some of us are on the mountain. Some of us don't know where we're at, but we could say that you are Lord. You are the one who is in control. You, Jesus, we worship, we praise in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.